0: Gracious Father, we come to you today full of thanksgiving. Let us not neglect or look over all the things that you've done to us, how gracious and merciful you have been to each and every one of us in our lives. Help us not to take it for granted that is your breath in our lungs, and that is why we pour out our praise to you. We get in our own ways and think that it's us that's doing all the things that we're able to accomplish every moment of every day, but help us to realize and acknowledge that we're only able to do those things because of who you are. You've been so good to us. You've loved us so much, and for that we give thanks. Thanks that we're able to come and we're able to get to know you that you've made yourself available to us, that you've revealed yourself to us throughout the annals of time. Father, we give you thanks and praise for that. Let's also not take for granted that we have your word in front of us through your scripture, and you speak to us through it. Thank you for that. Let us not... uh, take advantage of this just for our head knowledge, but so that we would have a closer relationship with you and, and not so that we would keep it to ourselves, but so that we would go and be able to share it with those who need to hear it, that people would have hope in this hopeless world. With all the things that are going on, there's still an answer to what's happening. And his name is Jesus. Help us to go out and be able to share this with those who need to hear it, that even through their, their grief and their struggles and trials and challenges, that they can still have hope. And it's because you sent your son so that we may live. Father, give me the words this morning to say and how to say them. May the words of your mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we are today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. And I, I think, again, I, I, I think it was very proper for us to start off and just kneeling and, 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 and seeking God's face and going to him in prayer. Again, as an example of how we ought to do everything that it is in our lives that we start with him, who he is what he's been to us, even through through the the trials and the struggle that uh, it didn't catch him by surprise. It may have caught us by surprise. It it might have jostled us and, and got us out of our regular routine, but God is still in control. Even though in the midst of all these challenges that we see in this world, we still have something to look forward to, that if we would, follow Christ, that we would uh, submit ourselves to him, that we get to spend forever and eternity with him. This life that we live is just a blip on the screen. I don't care how how old you get to be. In the span of eternity, this is nothing. And that's what we have to look forward to, where there will be no more Sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more struggles, but, man, we, we get to be we with God. We get God. And how amazing that is. But even though we know this intellectually, uh, we still have these people that come up and they see that, uh, well, the, the, those folks are just having joy in the midst of trials, and they don't need to have it. They shouldn't have it because I don't have it. And They want to get in your way. They want to stop you from enjoying God and what he's done, how merciful he's been to you. And they want to get in the way, and they want to sidetrack you so that you can go off and, and be miserable like they are. They just can't take it. But I'm here to tell you today, we need to resist the enemy. It is so important that we uh, have our feet firmly planted in who God is and what He's done for us. If you're not putting yourself and reading the scriptures on a regular basis, you—that's trouble. That's a problem. This this is our instruction book of not only who God is, but he tells us what he has for us and what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live. And he gives us the hope and promises for his people. So if you don't know what God says, um, it's gonna be a real challenge. People wanna hear a word from a God. I want a new revelation. (laughs) I mean, you see how thick this book is? (laughs) How much more revelation do you need? He said everything he had to say and need to say within the confines of his scripture. And I implore you, I urge you, I beg you, spend some time with God and his word. Or else how are you gonna know what's God's will for your life if you don't know him? There's no way. There is no way. Then the enemy is going to come, and they're going to tell you, just like in the Garden of Eden, oh, no, I mean, you won't really die if you eat that fruit. You'll be all right, just to have a little taste. That's how the enemy works. Sneaks in and, and twists the scripture just enough, and you're like, well, that sounds kind of like what God said. It, you might be right. Right? <laughs> And that's how we ended up here. From that, 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 that first sin, that first step in disobedience because they didn't heed what God told them. And they didn't stand firm on what he said and how, how he told them to act and what he told them to do. So it's important for us here today that we be able to put our feet firmly into what matters and we don't waver. This morning we're going to see in the, in the book of Nehemiah chapter six. Uh, Nehemiah is a great example for us of what this looks like, how he worked through it in his own life. These, these enemies, the haters, they were trying to stop Jerusalem from building up the wall. They were doing their best to construct it. There's not you know, construction workers that are doing the job, the people going and volunteering their time so for the best of their city. They were doing everything that they could in order to fortify these walls. And now they're starting to see there's some personal attacks that are coming not only against them but their leader, Nehemiah. We saw before how the enemy was trying to get in and, and they were threatening an attack. And so the people, while they were building the wall, they had to keep a sword in one hand and they'll build the wall in the other. They just wanted to be prepared. And they, Even though they went to the Lord, it was like, Lord, this is yours, and, but at the same time, I'm gonna do everything that I need to do. I'm gonna put this faith into action to ensure that the enemy is not able to get through. But the enemy is still hoping to destroy the work that is taking place through their leader. And I'll admit, this personally may rubs me the wrong way. It gives me some, some pause as a leader to know that if, if the enemy can't get to you really well, he's definitely going to come after me. If he can come after me and get me to go sideways, then there's no hope for you. If if the enemy can get the leader out of the way, get them to change their priorities, not stand firm in what's going on, then the whole house falls. So I just have to keep reminding myself, like Nehemiah does, that God is still in control. He is the one ultimately in control of everything that is happening and taking place, and it's my responsibility to follow him, and I'm asking you to follow me as I follow him. Like Paul said. I'm going to stumble I'm going to fall but I praise God for each and every one of you to help to hold me up help to strengthen me and make sure that I am following the way that God has called me and asked me but it's tough and so we need to remember that God said that we will have trouble in this life (laughs) people think that once you become a Christian then it's all good you're ready to go right no, Jesus said, you will have trials. You will have tribulation. But I tell you what, in this life, I have overcome the world. He says, I, I got your back. Well, better than that, I got your front. I got your everything. You will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Paul tells us this in Ephesians 6 and 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this is not a one-time thing. You don't, you don't get up one day, i like, I think I'm going to need the shield today. I, I think I'm going to need the breastplate today. No, before you get out of bed you need to gird up your loins and then put on the full armor of God before you do anything. Every single moment of every single day, that's how we need to operate. Is because when we, when we go out, we, we're going to war. Maybe not physically, but certainly spiritually. Every moment, every day, you turn on your social media, you turn on the news, you turn on TV shows, movies. It's, it's an attack on us, spiritually. The enemy uses deception, he uses trickery and other schemes to try to destroy or at least to neutralize God's people from doing the things that God has called them to do. If we want to finish this race and accomplish the purpose for our lives, we need to learn how to resist the schemes. We need to learn how to resist the enemy. Philippians 3 and 13 says, Brother, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Have your mind, have your eyes set on what is yet to come when we get to be with Him in eternity. Look with me in your copy of God's Word. It will be in Nehemiah 6 starting in verse 1, Nehemiah 6 and 1. Here God's word reads, Now when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, had the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there were no breaches left in, in it, although uh, up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Samballot and Geshem sent to me, saying, uh, Come and let us meet together at uh, Harkerim, in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great deal of work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent for me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Well, pause there. Look at these jokers. Look at, look at these guys trying to continuously, they look like, hey, we, we weren't able to stop you from building the wall, and so like I said a moment ago, we're gonna go after Nehemiah, we're gonna take him out, and then we can stop the people from doing what they need to do. The wall was almost complete, and they didn't, it didn't have any gaps in it anymore, and nothing that could be penetrated, and the only thing that was left was the doors and the gates. So like, we're, we're gonna still try. We're going to try our best to get this work to end. And the way for us to do it is to get Nehemiah out. So they tried to lure him out under the pretense of peace talks. They were trying to get him to come and say, hey, you know what? Maybe we got off on the wrong foot. I see you guys are going to persevere and do all the things. So, hey, let's get together over in this city and let's work it out. Nehemiah's response, nah, nah, I'm good. I don't don't think we need to meet. I I don't think that makes sense for us. He says, why would I come and talk to you after you've been antagonistic to everything that we've been doing here? How does that make make it make sense to me? Why would I do this? Ain't nobody got time for that. We got got work to do, we got to finish what we started. However, I mean, his dues were nothing if not persistent. They tried four more times, and Nehemiah just wasn't having it. They sent letter after letter, but he knew it was a trap. He knew what they were planning, and he kept his eyes focused on what was in front of him. He kept his eyes focused on what it was he was there to do. But it sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? You know, for for Sam Ballad and, and Tobiah to come and say, hey, let's have some peace talks. Let's let's get this straight. Let's get everything out on the table so that we can coexist together. That sounds harmless. We might be tempted to go, and like, you know what, we, we do need peace. Maybe I will go. But Nehemiah, he had his feet firmly planted in God and what God had offered him to do, and he's using some godly wisdom. It's like, man, this don't make sense. How all of a sudden are you going to make a 180? You were totally antagonistic when we started, and all the way through, and you have stopped to no end. And now all of a sudden you want peace? Now all of a sudden you want to work things out. That, that don't smell right. I, I don't know how, how we're supposed to go forward with this. When we encounter things like this, we need to use our God-given wisdom to determine how to respond. Again, it sounds nice, and you might see this on your own life, but you need to think about what it is. That's why I say we need to go to God with any and everything that there is. Even when it sounds good, even when it kind of looks good on the surface, you still need to go to God. You still need to ask for his wisdom so that you can make the right decision that glorifies him. The enemy uses similar tactics for us today, but we have to remember what it says in 1 Peter 5 and 8. It says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. That is reality. And there the very chance that he gets, the enemy will eat you up and spit you out. If you're not careful, if you're not firmly planted, if you don't resist, he will take you. Look with me in verse 5. It says in the same way, Sam ballad in the, for the fifth time, sent a servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now the king will hear of these reports, so now come, let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him, saying, no such thing as you say has been done. For you are inventing them out of your mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. Isn't this something? He couldn't, they couldn't get him to come by any other means. And so now they're going to want to go lie on Nehemiah. They want to go make up and, it's more than a fabrication. They, they just kind of come up with this scheme and make up these stories. They're just making up stuff. This is what's now known as gaslighting. Have you heard of this term, gaslighting? It's kind of the past few years has come up and people are using it more and more. But gaslighting is when you manipulate someone by a psychological means into questioning their own sanity. You make them feel like they're crazy. They're like, well, you, you know, uh, I, I went and I sat on the pew. Like, no, you didn't sit on the pew. That's that's not what happened. You you sat on the floor. Like, wait, why would I sit? No, you, I saw you. I was there. You sat on the floor. This is when someone is, is coming and tries to control the other by twisting their sense of reality. This is exactly what... Samballot and Tobiah are doing. Like, hey, um, we heard what's going on. We heard about your scheme. And matter of fact, it's not just us saying it. Hey, Geshem knows too. Geshem heard, go ask him. Everybody's talking about it. We know what you're planning. Now, you would want this to get back to the king of Persia, would you? I mean, because you're here under because the king of Persia sent you. Man, what if he found out you were trying to take over? That would be all bad for you, wouldn't it? So why don't you come and meet with us so that doesn't happen? We, we'd hate for this information to give back to the king and put yourself in harm. I'm sure Sambalat thought that Nehemiah would back down and meet with them because, I mean, hey, look. It was right, if, if this information got back to the king of Persia who uh, uh, Nehemiah was working for, who, who put him in place, who put him in power, it could be bad, and they would have no mercy on him. But after everyone is saying all this kind of stuff, trying to get them there, and, and, and a matter of fact, if he went to the city, if they didn't kill him, at least they can get him to stop the work. They can get him to quit. Or even worse yet, for him to be a traitor and, and change sides. There were so many things that could happen that could go on. But they were just hoping, if nothing else, that Nehemiah would quit. He would be so scared, not, not only of Samballad and Tobiah and the rest of the goons, but they, he would be scared of the king and what he might do. And just say, throw up his hands, like, okay, I, I just can't. There's no way I can get up against these schemes. There's no way that I can stand up to the king. There's no way he's going to believe me if everybody else is saying this stuff. I'm just going to quit. Brothers and sisters, when you know that you're doing what God has called you to do, but you feel like you're on the verge of quitting, this is when you need to run to God when you are walking in the steps that God has placed in front of you and you're doing what God has called you to do and it gets so heavy, it gets so challenging that you don't know what to do and like, I just, I can't go on. This is when you need to run to him. You need to intentionally be thinking about who he is and what he's done and the promises that he's given to you. He's the one that's giving you the strength to be where you are. You need to remind yourself of this and run to him. Run to his scripture, run to him in prayer. We can't afford to, to let the enemy come in and, and make us delusional. Make us to think and second guess what God has for us. Run to him, resist the enemy. The very moment that you feel like you want to walk away from the Lord are there times where you need to go to him. Let me tell you something. I've said it before, our feelings are fickle. You feel one way one day, and totally different the next. Or sometimes for us, it's moment to moment, isn't it? We have this feeling of what we want to do, who we want to be, and whatever it is. And it can change on a, on a drop of a hat at the turn of a dime. Our feelings are fickle, and we need to control our feelings, or else our feelings will rule us. We need to control our feelings or our feelings will rule us. Our feelings will tell us that we are something that we're not, that we can't do the things that God has empowered us and encouraged us to do. Our feelings will tell us, well, I don't have enough education. I don't have enough experience. But if we would follow God, he gives us everything that we need As we sang earlier, is his breath in our lungs. Dare we tell ourselves that we can't breathe? We don't know how to move forward. We don't know how to take the next steps in our own lives. We need to control our own feelings and follow what God has for us. We are who God has told us we are. That is where we find our identity is in Christ, in Christ alone. We're tied to all these adjectives that we put on our own lives. That is not who we are. We are blood-bought by Christ, and we belong to him. We are who Christ says we are, and we don't need any modifiers. We're Christians. We're Christ followers. That's what we're about. That's who we are. We need to stand on that. Your feelings, the world will come in and tell you something different, but don't get distracted. Be who God calls you to be. Brothers and sisters, your feelings will lie to you. It's that simple. Your feelings might tell you that you'll never get out of the mess that you're in, that you will never change. I know it's hard, when you're in the midst of the storm. I know it's tough, I know it's difficult, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whatever the crisis is, it's hard to imagine being on the other side of that crisis. But I'll tell you what, you, you need to think about how you're feeling and, and you, you think about, oh, I'll just be feeling like this forever, but it's not true. God says you can do all things. <laughs> you can do all things through his strength and nothing is too hard for him. Genesis 18 and 14 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I return to you about the same time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. He's talking to Abram and Sarah like, no, we're too old, we're, we, we're too this and we're too that, it's not gonna happen. It was like, hey, wait, 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 wait. You forget who I am? The one who spoke in the universe, left you don't think I can handle this thing? What a reminder that is for us. Check out what Lamentations says. Lamentations 3 and 17. My soul is bereaved of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. This is talking, Lamentations is going through and I, I just don't know what to do. I'm struggling. This is too hard. This is too challenging. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say in Lamentations 21 and 24, but I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. He's my soul, and therefore I will hope in him. Don't get it twisted. We need to resist the enemy because this is the truth. I don't care what nobody say. This is what we need to be thinking about. In these times, we just can't afford to follow our feelings. Your feelings will continue to to drag you down until you can't bear to get back up, that you will wallow in your pain. You will wallow in your struggle, and you you just think about, well, I can't do it on my own, but you don't got to. Jesus says, I got this, because in your life, you will have struggle, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. You don't have to do this by yourself. You need to choose to hope in the Lord even when you can't see or fathom the answer to your problem. You can't even see over the barriers, the things that are standing in your way. You need to go to him and trust that he's got you. And you need to choose to follow him, to take the next step that's in front of you. You can't afford to worry about what the world says or what the world thinks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what your your friends say. It only matters what God says. That's the only thing that matters. We're like, well, my mama said, and my my friends, and and they don't want me to. It, It don't matter what they got to say. It only matters what God says. It only matters what God thinks. Verse 10. Now, when I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Methilabel, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? (laughs) And what man such as I could go into the temple and live. I will not go in, and and I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me, because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him for this purpose. He was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember, Tobiah and Sanballat. Oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Shemaiah comes in. Another actor looked nice, looked like he was on Nehemiah's side. He's like, hey, hey bro, um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Why don't we come into the temple? Let's talk about this, like, you know, I want to give you some counsel, because you might not know this, but they're they're gonna come come kill you. They're gonna come take you out, and then there's no hope. You need to come and and have refuge here in the temple. Just get away from all this stuff. You don't need to have this going on in your life. Let me help you. He said some churchy things, prophesying over them, like, see, I'm the real deal, man. I mean, you need to follow. I know you You and me the same. You a God follower, I'm a Godfather. I mean, you got to listen. You got to come and do what I'm asking you to do. He tried to instill more fear, ultimately, into Nehemiah. He wanted Nehemiah to panic and go against the value that he had just to save himself. Instead of thinking about the people that he was leading, not to mention following God, This guy wanted him to think about himself, save himself. And if we look around today, there's plenty of people who misuse the name of the Lord. There's plenty of people who walk around here saying some churchy things, things that sound like they might come from the Bible, uh, things that people might say if they were were following Jesus. But again, the enemy is, is, is shrewd. Twisted just enough to make it sound good, but still lead you down the wrong path. I can't say this enough, but be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. I don't care how good it might sound or how close to the Bible it might be, or if it might seem plausible. With any and everybody, including me, you go and test what they say with what God says. I don't care who it is, including myself. I mean, I can get it wrong sometimes. But go and test what they say. And if it don't line up with what scripture says, and they say, well, God told me to tell you. Like, well, show me chapter verse. I mean, where do you see that at? Where do I find that at? Because God will not tell somebody to tell you something that's contrary to what he's already written. But you got to know this word. you got to know God. you got to know the person that you're following. If you don't, then that's the wide path that you'll be going down, that you'll get messed up. There's a reason why I mention false prophets or some false prophets by name. The, the, the folks like Joel Osteen and, and Joyce Meyer. There's a reason why I talk about them by name sometimes is because what they say sounds good. But it's not Bible. If you want a motivational talk, maybe it might be okay, but I would caution that. But there's a reason why I name them by name. But I don't do so all the time because I want you to know what the genuine truth is. I want you to know what the Bible says. I want you to know what the truth is so you can understand and see what's counterfeit. I mean, we can't go through all the counterfeits there are in the world. It'll take all of our time. But I tell you what, we know the truth and focus on that you'll be able to spot a counterfeit just like that. Like, wait a minute, no, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God says, that's not what he told his people. That's my job, that's my goal, that's my aim, to equip you to be able to understand and identify counterfeits if they should come to you. It's like a a boiling frog, it's easy to get sucked up into what many of these folks are saying. And before you know it, you're you're forced down this, this path that will this path of, of false gospel, this prosperity, this, this self-exaltation. Before you know it, I mean, man, it sounds good. You get a little closer, you get a little closer, you get a little closer, and all of a sudden, you and a cult. If you're not careful, if you don't know, and you don't have your nose in scripture, this religious terminology does not guarantee legitimacy. Just because they say Jesus, don't mean they follow him. It's because they talk about Christ. And sometimes you gotta ask, what, what, what Christ are you talking about? What, what Jesus is, is that you're talking about? Because there's some other sects that will talk about Christ, they talk about Jesus, but they ain't the same see Jesus that's in this book. But you have to know that. So as Nehemiah is having this conversation, he's weighing what this so-called prophet has to say, and he measures it against the known revelation of God. He measures against what God has already said and what he's already talked about as he's, uh, the, the message that's been entrusted to Israel. He recognizes the responsibility of his leadership and he knows that he needs to stay despite the threats against his own life, about the, the threats against his own safety. And in the end, he does what's best and he gives glory to God. He says God is the one that is in control. He refuses to take matters into his own hands and he stands firm in his purpose and what God has, to, has him to do. He rightly understands that God says vengeance is mine that he doesn't have to fight all these different battles. God's got it. God's going to take care of it. God's going to fight for me. I just need to be obedient. I just need to be in the place where he called me to be. I just need to do the things he told me to do. I just need to take the next step forward in obedience. That's what I need to do in my life. Brothers and sisters, this is a lesson that we need to take from this. There's going to be so many things in our lives, so many different competing interests. The world is constantly trying to distract us and twist scripture to serve their own purpose. And that is going to be different from what God has intended for us. We just need to do our best to be obedient and follow Christ, especially when we come under attack. Don't quit. Don't run away. Don't bury your head in the sand. When you feel the weight just pounding on your shoulders, run to him, run to God's people. Admit that you need help, that you need encouragement. Get on your knees in prayer. Put your nose in God's word. These are times that we need to ensure that we stand firm to God's vision and purpose without compromising the truth. A question for you as we leave today is what is the motivating force in your life? What is it that moves you? What is it that you're running toward I'm sure some things came to mind when I mentioned that. I hope that at the center of your life is God and who he is, that he is your ultimate motivator. He is the one that you're running to because whatever else came up in your mind is gonna lead you down the wrong path. You run to God and he'll supply all of your needs. Think about what tasks in your life are worth your time and devotion. We spend our time doing a lot of different stuff. Question is, where is this stuff gonna lead you? It's either gonna build the kingdom or it's gonna tear down the kingdom. I mean, it's one or two, there's no in between. You're either hot or cold. What is it that you're doing in your life? Hebrews 12 and two says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against him so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is what Jesus did for you. That he took on the burden of sin, your sin. He took on the burden of your shame. Why? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I hope we take this with us today. That when you are growing weary, that when you feel like you're on the crust of Quitting, that you would run to Him, you trust Him, and you would resist the enemy. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for us and giving us this reminder of what it looks like for us to be able to follow you. And I know times get rough. They are challenging. There's so many things that come at many of us. But Father, we just thank you for loving us so much, for loving us in this way that you gave your one and only son, that if we would believe in him, that we would have eternal life with you. Help us to keep our focus on that and what it means for us that when we would get distracted and go somewhere else, the enemy would come and, and try to impede our progress, that you would give us this reminder of who you called us to be and what we have to look forward to. Father, I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name.